Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I thank you for each person here, and I ask, Father God, that you would speak to our hearts, that for each one of us, your word would transform us and mature us and bring us to a place, Father, where where we have an even greater relationship with you. Speak to us, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Let's look at the parable today. We're going to be in in the book of John. There's only a couple parables in John. Um, and I love this one. This is really neat. Uh, let's begin in, in verse 1, chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by the name, by name, and leads them out. When he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Of all the titles that are used to describe Jesus, the one that, that, that really touches me the most is, is shepherd. This was a common picture in Scripture. The Old Testament spoke of the Messiah as the shepherd of his people. One place God does this is in Ezekiel 34, verse 23. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, which is a reference to the Messiah, David's descendant. And he will feed them. And he will feed, him, feed them himself and be their shepherd. As with the other parables, Jesus is using some imagery that is very, very familiar. In that culture, shepherds were very well known. And shepherds and caring for sheep was an everyday experience. People understood that sheep, the sheep needed almost constant care. Sheep were defenseless and needed help to find food and water. I, I knew this from my days of farming. There was one time that I had put food out for them, some, some grain, and they weren't eating. And they were just all in the turmoil. And uh, I could tell that they were upset and they just didn't seem to be doing well. And I noticed that none of the feed had been been consumed. And I'm going, what in the world is going on with these sheep? And I walked over, and because of the time of year, the angle of the sun, and where I had put the, the feed troughs, the shed was casting a shadow over the feed troughs. The sheep wouldn't go near the feed. I moved the feed troughs one foot, and the sheep ate. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, same thing with water. There were times they wouldn't drink. And it, what? And I'd go over there, and one one morning there was there was two leaves floating in the water. I took the two leaves out, and they drank. Sheep. They need lots of care. The Bible has many examples of shepherds. This was a common thing. If you were a Jew, you would have understood this as well. The, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were shepherds. So was Moses. And, of course, there's David, the author of Psalms 23. The Old Testament often used shepherding to illustrate Israel as God's flock. 
The Old Testament writers frequently used shepherding imagery to depict Israel as God's flock and as a need. The, 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 the people needed a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalms 23. The Old Testament also speaks of Israel's leaders as God's under-shepherds. They were to lead God's people. In the New Testament, shepherds and sheep are, are familiar images as well and are used to describe the church. In this parable that we look at today, Jesus, it, it, he's actually comparing himself with the harsh and abusive rule of the Jewish leaders who were false spiritual leaders. And you could say they were false shepherds. Jesus makes this contrast with two statements. First, he calls himself the true shepherd of the sheep. And then he also makes this comparison by stating that he is the only door to the sheepfold. The society would have understood the imagery to some extent, but these were very important statements that Jesus made that contrasted with the rulers and the leaders of Israel. Notice that he begins the parable, truly, truly. Literally, if you translate that from the, the Greek, it would be, amen, amen. Okay, why does he do that? Well, at that time, that was a, a means that a speaker would use to, to reinforce that something really important was about to be said. What follows is of great importance. Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to speak. I want you to pay close attention. That's how we would do it. He just goes, truly, truly. So what was most important? What was going to come? Jesus is the true shepherd. The idea of shepherding was very well known. Each village where shepherding was predominant had a sheepfold. And the sheepfold was, was usually a structure with, with fairly high walls, no roof structure. At least that's what I seem to find in, in what I researched this week. And there was only one door. There's only one way in or one way out. And shepherding, shepherding was a, a very well-known profession. A shepherd would, would spend all day with the sheep. Everybody knew that. And the, the shepherds would, would take the sheep to find a, a place to graze. And they would find good, clean water for the sheep. And the shepherd would spend time with watching them and protecting them from whatever might be there, from robbers, thieves, wild animals. And then in the evening, the shepherds would bring the sheep back and they would come to the sheepfold. And to come into the sheepfold, they didn't just herd them in, but instead, using the rod, one of the tools of the shepherd, they would, they would control the entrance into the sheepfold, and they would do that so that they could carefully examine each one of the animals. Individually, they looked at each one of them. They looked for any kind of injuries that might have occurred during the day. They looked for things that might have gotten snagged in the wool. They might look for signs of any kind of sickness or disease. And they would inspect them very carefully, each one, and then allow them into the, the sheepfold. Very often, a sheepfold was a community thing. So there'd be more than one shepherd using the sheepfold. So in the evening, you'd have all these sheep coming together. And once all the sheep were in the fold, there was another 
hired man, an under-shepherd. You could call him a doorkeeper. He was a hired man. He was security. And, and his job was to be at that door, the gate, the entrance to the sheepfold, to keep anyone from coming in. He would provide that security during the night. And the shepherds could go home and, and rest. The next day, the doorkeeper would only allow the sheep to be released to the shepherds. No one could enter the sheepfold and no one else could come and say, Oh yeah, Shepherd Bob said I could come get the sheep. It wouldn't, couldn't happen. That, that didn't happen. No one could enter the sheepfold and only a shepherd could take the sheep. A thief, if, if, if someone planned to steal the sheep for whatever reason, maybe for the wool, maybe for the meat, maybe for both, they would have to climb the wall. They couldn't probably go through the door because that guy is there. He's, he's prepared for that. And climbing the wall would be kind of impractical. Uh, I raised sheep, and I don't know how you'd climb over a wall and then get a sheep back over. It, it wouldn't be very practical. You couldn't do it that very well that way, and you'd have to fight the doorkeeper probably to death to be able to get into the sheep. So this was a very safe way for them to to keep track of their animals. This was common imagery. This was very common imagery. Everyone understood how the sheepfold worked. They understood the work of a shepherd. Now, some over the years have taught that the sheepfold represents the church, and some have thought that the sheepfold represents heaven. But if we pay attention to the context, I think the only place we can go is that the sheepfold, actually, as Jesus is, is sharing this, this parable, it's Israel. And really, it doesn't make much sense for a thief to break into the church and steal the sheep. I understand that we can have false teachers in the church, and, and, and I understand that. But it also doesn't make any sense that the, the thief would break into heaven and steal the sheep. It doesn't make any sense. It makes sense that this is Israel, and you'll see why as we go on. In this parable, the thieves and robbers represent the hypocritical Jewish religious leaders. And the reason they are, they are thieves and robbers is because they are stealing the truth from people. They are keeping people from the Messiah. They were working against God. They were trying to keep people from knowing Jesus as the Messiah. Here they are. They're face to face with the Messiah, the true shepherd. And the leaders of Israel were, were, were denying who he was. There really wasn't any worse false teaching. So the thieves and robbers are trying to keep people from the shepherd. This wasn't something new. Israel had a long history of false shepherds. Isaiah uses some very graphic language and imagery to describe the false shepherds. But you can track that through the Old Testament. There was continually... These false teachers, false shepherds. Isaiah has some interesting things to say, and so does Jeremiah. Here's two passages. Isaiah 56.10. His watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. 
All of them are mute dogs unable to bark. Dreamers lying down who love to slumber. And the dogs are greedy. They are not satisfied. And they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way. Each one to his unjust gain to the last one. Speaking of those false shepherds. Jeremiah is a little more blunt. Because he just comes out and says, they're stupid. They didn't know that the Bible calls somebody stupid, did you? Jeremiah 10, 21. For the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. This was the history of Israel. Repeatedly, they had these false teachers. And even though the imagery of the sheep, the sheepfold, shepherding, all of that was very familiar, the people did not catch on to the deeper truths of the parable. It was, it was not understood by the people. So, so Jesus, again, like we've seen in some of the other parables, he needed to explain this. We go back to John chapter 10, verse 6. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Marvelous. In this explanation, the metaphor Jesus uses is just slightly different. He describes himself as the door. That would be the door into the sheepfold. Also in that statement, he makes an I am statement, which is one of the, the, the I am statements that is found in the Gospel of John. It's a wonderful study. Just, just look at all of the I am statements in John. And that, that I am statement would have been understood, especially by the Jewish listeners, as Jesus proclaiming to be God. I am was huge. I am is a statement of deity, the door of the sheep. There were times, this will help us understand this better, there were times when there was no hired man to, to be the, the security guard at the door. There was no doorkeeper. And so one of the shepherds would do that and would come to the door of the sheepfold and spend the night there. So he might bring his sheep in. It would be a long day and a long night. But he would go there and he would become the door or the doorkeeper. And no one could come into the sheepfold without going through that shepherd. Now, if you think about that, that is a wonderful image. What an amazing truth. Who's the door? Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the only way into the fold. And he protects everyone who comes through him. That means the, the worst sinner can come to the Father through Jesus and be blessed, protected, and cared for. Only Jesus has that authority. He has the authority and the power to provide the entrance to the fold and the security of the fold. In the explanation, Jesus says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. He's again referring to the false shepherds of Israel. 
And, and there's a history. So he's not just referring to the ones at that time. He's referring to all of them in Israel's history. The wicked kings, the wicked priests, the false teachers, and the leaders throughout the history of Israel that denied the Messiah. And in that time in particular, there were those leaders in Israel who denied that Jesus was the Messiah, even though they saw him doing things that only the Messiah would be able to do because of his deity. Jesus tells us in this parable that the sheep who belong to him do not hear the false teachers. They do not know the voice of the false shepherds. This is huge. This was so exciting when I was studying this. And I've got to tell you, I mean, I don't know about you, but these times have been rather difficult. Anybody having a difficult time? Who do we listen to? How many voices are out there every day? Do you listen to, to the news media? Do you listen to the entertainment? Do you listen, do, do you listen to the society around us? What's going on? Everybody's whining and complaining and everybody has this theory and that theory and we have the riots. Everything's happening. So whose voice are you listening to? Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice. They don't know the voice of the false teachers. And in that, there is a comfort. Isn't there? When all of this confusion is going on around us, I know the voice of my master. I know the voice of my shepherd. And I know that if I listen to him, he will take me to someplace peaceful. He will provide for me. And I will... Have everything I need. That's incredible. As Jesus goes on, he repeats the fantastically, incredibly important truth that he is the only way into the fold. This is also such a comfort. You can't enter and you can't go out except through Jesus. Verse 7, I am the door. And he adds the promise, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Wow. Only through Christ will sheep find forgiveness, salvation, blessing, and protection. Believers are are satisfied in Jesus. Just like the, the psalm. Just like Psalms 23. How does it start? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he's got it all for us Jesus describes the contrast between the true shepherd and the false shepherds he continues with this parable and the explanation the thief verse 10 comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep The reality is that by going to the cross and raising from the dead, Jesus demonstrated that he alone could give spiritual life. Only through Jesus, the door to the sheepfold, can a person have eternal life. And he adds, have it abundantly. The Greek term there, abundantly, means something 
that goes beyond what is necessary. Something that it, that exceeds all expectations. That's huge. And Jesus says he's the good shepherd. Jesus Jesus is totally set apart from any other shepherd. There's there's no one else in the same class. He's in a in a class totally by himself. He is the only true shepherd, the only really good shepherd. And in that agrarian culture, understanding sheep and shepherding they understood that if you referred to someone as a good shepherd, what you really were meaning was that that shepherd was willing to care for the sheep, even if it cost his life. They would lay down their life. A shepherd that was good was willing to die for the sheep to protect them from robbers and wild animals. That was, that was a good shepherd, willing to die. But Jesus actually did lay down his life. He did die for us. It's one thing to be willing. It's another to actually do it. Jesus died for us. He died a substitutionary death providing atonement for believers. His death provides propitiation for sins and provides perfect access to the Father for the believer. Jesus goes on and contrasts his perfect work as the good shepherd. He, he contrasts it with a hired hand, someone who's not the owner of the sheep. He says in verse 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired man. A hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. He's describing someone who doesn't really care about the sheep. And because he doesn't care about the sheep, when, when, when the wolves come, when the enemy comes, this person doesn't do anything to care for the sheep. And as a consequence, the sheep are snatched and, and scattered. Verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Huge statement. Jesus died for his sheep because he loves them. In this parable and many other places in the New Testament, the word in the Greek for know there is a very intimate word. In, in, in this parable, Jesus is using it for the intimate love relationship between Jesus and his sheep. The word is also used in the Bible to describe the intimate love between a husband and wife. This sets Jesus apart. Jesus is unique. He perfectly loves each of the sheep and cares deeply for each sheep. He knows you. He knows everything there is to know about you. And he loves you and cares for you. 
as Jesus goes on in this parable, he adds something else. He, he, he says in verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of the fold, of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The other sheep are the Gentiles who would hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. And they follow him. And notice what happens when they follow the one shepherd. The the two flocks become one. Now this statement, as it was understood by the Jewish audience that was hearing this, would would have just messed with them terribly because this was incredibly radical for a Jewish leader, a rabbi, a teacher, to suggest that Gentiles and Jews would become one flock. The Jews despised and hated Gentiles. And the Gentiles felt the same way toward the Jews. Neither group expected there to come together. But Jesus specifically says there will be one flock. It's, It's easy to understand this if we go to Paul's explanation of this in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul Paul writes this, beginning of verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, you are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. This unity, what Jesus is speaking about and what Paul was speaking about, is between the Jews and the Gentiles. It defines the church because both sheep belong to the same shepherd. The two have come to understand the voice of one shepherd. That would have been radical to the Jews. Back in John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, Jesus goes on and he describes the unique relationship of love and obedience between the Father and the Son. These are great words. Verse 17, for this reason, my father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. Those are powerful words. One of the things that this takes us to, if, we, if we're honest, is that the Bible teaches that it is not possible to love God, 
to really love Him, to truly love God without obeying Him. I don't know about you, but that hits me hard sometimes. What is it saying? The Father loves the Son. For what reason? The Father loves the Son because the Son laid down His life for the sheep. By becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross, Jesus demonstrated His perfect love for the Father. This is a demonstration of Jesus' love for the Father and for the sheep. And this, this obedience of Jesus, it was voluntary. Jesus went to the cross voluntarily. Nobody forced him to do it. No one took his life away from him. We like to think of, of the, in the terms of the Romans put Jesus on the cross. It's their fault, you know. And, and sometimes we'll say, well, it's our sins that put Jesus on the cross. And, and, and in a sense, both of those are true. But the reality is that the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, went to the cross willingly. He laid down His life of His own initiative. He willingly went to the cross for each one of us. By repeating that He would take up His life again, Jesus demonstrates and speaks of His resurrection. The two together, laying his life down and taking his life up, this is the ultimate demonstration of his deity and authority. He has authority over death. He has authority over life. Everything is his. And with this authority, what does he say? I will raise all of his, all of mine, up. He will raise all of his to eternal glory. Every sheep, all of his flock will be raised to his glory. Do you realize what that means? Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, you know his voice if you're a believer. He will raise you up. And for all of eternity, you will be with him. John, earlier in the, the, the letter, he, he writes this in chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. If you're here this morning and you believe in Jesus, you have that promise. He will raise you up. You do not need to fear a virus. You do not have to fear death. You do not have to fear the confusion of our society or rioting or any of the other things that are going on. You know the voice of the one who has the authority to raise you up. He is the door. 
He is the good shepherd. And if you're here this morning, if you're watching and you don't know Jesus, hear these words. Come to the good shepherd. Come to the door. Believe in Jesus and be saved and live in peace for all of eternity. Jesus came and he will raise his sheep, his flock up on the last day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son. I thank you for your perfect plan to bring us to a place where we can have perfect fellowship with you. I ask, Father God, that you would help us. Help us to never forget who you are. Jesus, thank you for willingly coming and dying. Thank you for your obedience. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have a unique voice that we hear as your sheep. Thank you that you care deeply for each one of us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would you'd stir up inside of us a greater ability and depth of understanding than in this world of confusion and turmoil, we hear the voice of our shepherd and are led by that voice. Father, use us wherever we go. Use us to speak to others about the good shepherd, the door. I ask, Father God, that you would bring friends and family and acquaintances into the fold, that they too would know eternal life, blessings, and the abundance that we have in the true shepherd, the good shepherd our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Amen.